0: Hi, and welcome to Strangers on the Internet, a podcast about making online dating work for you. My name is Irene Manta, and I'm a professor at the Maurice A. Dean School of Law at Hofstra University. I'm also a dating coach and consultant for the dating app industry.
1: And I'm Michelle Lang, a senior lecturer in psychology at Christopher Newport University in Virginia and a clinical psychologist in private practice. All views expressed on this podcast are our own and not our employers.
0: Today, we're pleased to have with us Cerise Lang, no relation to Michelle Lang. Cerise serves as a moderator in one of Michelle's favorite online communities, Women's Personal Finance. They're not advertising with us. We're just giving them a shout out because we believe it's a great community. Women's Personal Finance is a group with over 70,000 members that is a hub for discussing all things finance and is open to female and non-binary identifying people a theme that the group is big on promoting is that finances intersect with so many areas of our lives. We think financial considerations with respect to dating are one of those areas of intersection. And while today's topic is about women's financial concerns, we hope our listeners of any gender who date women will also appreciate hearing perspectives that may give them insight into the considerations faced by women that they're interested in dating. We're so glad to welcome Cerise Lang to Strangers on the Internet. Cerise is a marketing consultant and technical nerd by day and a wandering fount of opinions at night when she isn't hunting for the perfect Midwestern sunset. You can find her intermittently on social media, both in the Women's Personal Finance Group and at Cerise Lang on the service formerly known as Twitter. Cerise, I was really
1: excited when you accepted our invitation to come on the podcast. I love hearing from you in the Women's Personal Finance Group. You keep it real, you inspire, you show empathy, and you keep others in line. Welcome to Strangers on the Internet.
2: Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it.
1: I figured we could just jump in with some questions relating to this idea of women and finances and ultimately go into how does that relate to dating. So... I'll address the elephant in the room that most members of the women's personal finance group, well, it is a group that's open to women and non-binary identifying individuals. But all the same, most of us do have men we love and wish good things for in life. But this online space that you moderate is not a place for them. Can you explain to our listeners what's the value of having a community for female and non-binary identifying people when it comes to personal finance considerations?
2: That's such a great question. I think the biggest benefit is that when we have this space where we're very intentional about it being for women and non-binary identifying people, we're saying two things. One, that this is a space where you feel safe because what we have found is that a lot of women are nervous in mixed spaces. They feel a sense of shame in mixed spaces. And then when you're not comfortable, when you have a lot of this prior programming in your head, it's really hard to cut through that to get answers. We have also received a lot of feedback from our members saying you know I'm so glad that I have this space because when I ask in mixed company I get a lot of negative comments from men such as oh well everybody knows this well it's been my experience as a moderator as well as a consultant that people just don't know these things. Or even if they've heard them before, it doesn't hurt to have a refresher. If you go on Amazon, for example, and type in how to play a guitar, I'm sure you're going to find a bunch of books on how to play a guitar. Does that mean that publishers aren't going to make any more books on how to play a guitar? Absolutely not. We're going to have books on playing a guitar because everybody's going to be speaking from their angle and their perspective. And I think it's the same way with personal finance. We want to hear different perspectives and and different angles of approaching this topic. A lot of women are coming to a point in their life where they're like, I want something more and I want something different. And I want to go ahead and have a space to ask those questions without feeling like, oh, everybody knows this or, oh, I'm so ashamed or I'm embarrassed because I can open up any really newspaper, magazine, article, you name it and see somebody successful. Why am I not successful yet? Am I behind? You're not behind. You're just coming from a different avenue with your own set of challenges and problems and things to overcome, but that doesn't mean that you're behind.
0: To follow up on that, finances are something that people so rarely talk openly about, which can be detrimental to those who don't already have financial knowledge or privilege. There are a lot of statistics reflecting that women are underpaid and fare worse in salary negotiations relative to men, and that they're disproportionately overrepresented among those living in poverty. Women who have children but are no longer with the other parent often bear disproportionately high costs of child rearing. We've all heard stories as well of women being charged more for services like car and home repairs, and we know that some products marketed to women tend to cost more, even when they're not really different than similar products being marketed to men. So like razors and skincare are examples of products that easily come to mind. A picture emerges of a financial landscape that's often not kind to women in our country and elsewhere. How does having a community to bounce ideas off of help address some of these issues?
2: I love these questions. So from my perspective, a community that's based on openness, compassion and empathy is the perfect springboard to a better financial picture, because when you're coming in as someone who hasn't made it financially when i first started with wpf i was in a completely different position in my life i did not make a lot of money and i found myself really struggling to climb the ladder so having that community to bounce ideas off of was really helpful for me because you're not just getting people who are in your shoes you're getting people who are you're getting people who have success in other arenas so if you're sitting here starting out you're in school you have student loan debt you might be talking to somebody who's been in their career path for 20 years and they can talk to you about not just what their life is like now but the journey of climbing up that ladder and things to overcome and as you start exchanging stories you realize hey this woman is just like me and if they can do it i can do it because sometimes that support's really hard to find in our lives um you know my ideal world is everybody getting the support that they need all of the time unfortunately the real world is that you can go a long time without feeling safe enough to talk about finances to openly You know, say, Hey, I would like to make more money. We have a lot of internal programming and mindset work that comes in as you first start talking about money, as you start growing the money that you have, and then as you start to look at what it takes to go to the next level while keeping your standard of living. Because Money is one of those things that some of it's in our control, but a lot of things are not in our control. You know, I don't have a lever to pull for the government to do what I want.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I think, you know, our, podcast is called Strangers on the Internet, and the original thinking behind that was like with dating apps, people who you meet through the Internet that you're willing to go out on dates with. But the fact of the matter is online communities are like often a more positive example of strangers on the Internet Um, where and really I want to highlight the idea of community there and just highlight a few things that you said So the idea with a community is essentially scaffolding and support. So knowing that it's a supportive safe space, as you've spoken to, and you as a moderator, are the moderators are the people who ensure that it is a safe space, who enforce the safety of the space and do what needs to be done in order to make sure that people feel safe there, which I know is often a thankless task. I'll go ahead and give you a public thank you right now for that. But... Uh, you know, that idea of community also as a place for scaffolding for people who are lower on the totem pole of financial literacy, knowledge, know how, and for people who are higher up, who are willing to generously share their insights, what has helped them to succeed. So that, as you said, people who are at an earlier starting point on their own financial journey feel supported, feel like, okay, there's not just hope for me to get to somewhere else, but there's meaningful, actionable items, a pathway I can take. I can just ask questions to people and search through prior posts and see what good advice has already been given. I know I personally have benefited from learning about effective negotiating tactics through the group. I've tried my hand at negotiating a raise a couple of times previous to joining this group that just were not successful i did not get the raise you know or negotiating with car buying um that was to limited success uh but you know you learn things from a group of women who have done it and done it well or who are in positions where they're like you know i work in hr here are the kind of things that i would consider to be a compelling argument for a raise here are the kind of things that aren't and so i think as irena pointed out with all these many ways that we can see society does not intend to make it easy for women or even to treat us equal to men, let alone then they charge us more for certain products, even though we make less. Um, You know, it's so essential to be able to have a helping hand along the way. Since, as you said, Cerise, there's some things we can't control about money. What we can control is how smart we are with the money that we do have available to us. So... There's not a question embedded in there, just a couple of points I wanted to highlight. As we do think, though, returning to the typical topic of our show, like dating and relationships, in your experience, how often have things related to dating or relationships and money come up in the finance group? Like, are there any common scenarios you've seen in your moderator role or anything in particular that comes to mind as it relates to dating or relationships and money?
2: Oh, definitely. We have so many posts where women are like, you know, is this fair? This is what I pay for. This is what he pays for. Is this even? Is this equitable? We have posts where women are trying to unfortunately leave a relationship that's not a good fit. And overall, I think the theme of dating relationships and money within WPF boils down to both assurance and reassurance. Women are coming to the group to be assured that they're going on the right path, or they're coming to the group to be reassured that their decisions make sense. And I think both are necessary, not just in a community, but within our lives as human beings. We have to have assurance, even if that's coming from an outside source, let it come from an outside source until it becomes internal. You have to. If, if if it takes a while to hear it, so be it. I don't mind repeating it to women that you're not just safe here, but I assure you that your decision-making compass is sound. And when people are coming into the group to ask these questions around dating, they may be coming from a place where their relationships haven't been healthy or as attached as they would like. And so they're like, I had this bad relationship. I made some bad decisions. Does that mean I'm going to make bad decisions forever? The answer is no. Or they may be in a relationship that's really toxic and not great for them to the point where they can't see it anymore. It's kind of like being in a, you know, a smelly, a smelly room that they just kind of got used to the stink and it needs another person to say, hey, this stinks, let's take care of it. And unfortunately, a lot of conversations around relationships and mixed spaces turn into a matter of fault and pointing fingers. And that's something that we've all done it. It can feel good in the short term, but long term, it's really about digging in and saying, Is this really about fault or is this about direction? Because it it does take two people in a relationship or multiple, however your relationship is configured. And when you get past blame and start looking for the root causes of these actions, I think it really transforms your life in the, when we're talking about personal finance and dating specifically, it's a matter of communication is how do I communicate what matters to me in a way that I am heard, respected, and seen? If I can help women do that, I consider that a great day because I think everyone is coming with their own communication style and their own set of wants. And it's okay to want a certain thing or to not want that thing. And we, one of the things that gets touched on a lot in This group specifically is, for example, who pays? If I get invited out on a date, am I supposed to bring money for it? And you'll get so many different responses because we all have programming around that topic. You know, it's, oh, well, I pay for myself because I don't want them to feel like they're entitled to me or... I want them to pay so they can demonstrate to me that they're a good partner. Both of those viewpoints are valid, but I think what gets lost in translation here is the communication part. We don't want to hide our intentions to other people and we sure don't want to hide them to our own selves. If you're going, if you want to be taken care of, in some way, shape or form, I think it's important to communicate that to yourself. And I think that's important to communicate to your dating partners, because as the old folks say, there's a pot for every lid and you just have to go out there and find yours. And I think a lot of women, especially in this day and age are coming to a point where they're like, why is dating so hard? And the other day I realized I don't think dating has to be hard. I think if we shift our mindset to there is somebody out there and I'm going to go find them, I think things change because when you're not getting what you want, of course, you're frustrated. And some of that frustration bleeds into online communities. I think denying yourself the full range of human emotion doesn't serve anybody. I think it makes more sense to reach for reassurance, to go to your friends because let's say you're in a relationship and I think this is where the power of WPF really shines through is you can get clear direction on a conflict without feeling like you have to bring it to the other person. If you're having a terrible day at work, you don't have to go home and dump that terrible day on your partner. You can come to us in a circle where you already know you're going to get reassurance and validation and hopefully your energy will shift and that way you can go back to your partner and say, you know what, I had a bad day, but I used all of my tools and now I'm ready to come back to us.
0: So following up on what you were saying about how there can be different opinions about who pays for what on dates, you know, how do you have any thoughts or advice on how people should handle pressures that can be felt either internally or implied or imposed by the person you went on a date with regarding who pays for dates? Because at that early point, there's usually not like a clear communication pattern established yet, which as you were saying, might be better later, but let's say like one person pays for a date and then, you know, there's maybe a feeling that there's something owed in return, uh, or on the other side of that, the the people wonder, you know, should I feel bad or what should I do if I don't want to go out with them again, even though they paid for a nice date?
2: For me, I think it becomes a matter of experiences. So I would not feel guilty if someone took me out for dinner because they are paying for an experience. And the experience is us having the opportunity to connect as people. I have paid for dates and I haven't gotten that second date. You know, am I miffed about it? No, because the experience that I paid for was an opportunity to connect with another human being. And if it works fine, if it doesn't work, that's also fine. So. I think shifting mindset is the thing here. I don't think that we need to invite guilt into the dating process. Unfortunately, there is a lot of social pressure, I think, internally that we can feel, especially as women, to, well, they took you out, you know, you have to give them a second date. You don't have to do anything. Because if, even though I don't necessarily buy into role reversal per se, I think if the shoe was on the other foot, I don't think men are telling each other, dude, um, she paid for your date. I think that you need to uh, 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 give her at least another chance, right, bro? Come on, bro. No. They're like, man, that date was that date was mid. I'm not going to mess with that. Next, I think we we can do a lot of work in not just resetting expectation, but maybe even lowering the stakes. If money is going to play a factor, nobody said that dinner has to be that first date. The point is connection and also to make a good impression. Like if you take me out to go roller skating on the first date, I think that's lit. I like being in motion. Uh, Or if we do a scavenger hunt at the museum, that is also lit. You know, I I, I have a long list (laughs) of lit activities that don't have to be dinner. And I think if somebody really wants to get creative and dive into that, you're going to have a better experience than just dinner. So i maybe... The answer is, we have to not just rethink the money part, but rethink what activities are we willing to do to connect with another human being.
1: I think that's a really great point. And also, so now I'll ask, I guess, a follow-up question or just for comments from both of you, because Irina has also fairly recently, at the time of our recording, been interviewed for an article that talked about behavior on dates, such as people going on the date, deciding okay i don't want to see this person again and and communicating that to the person and then the person asking them a venmo request being like then can you pay me back for like money i spent on you and so i'd be curious Irina, if there's anything more you'd like to share with our listeners relating to that as well as series like your reaction to to requests like that um whether you i just i guess your reaction to it and whether you'd advise it what you'd advise somebody to say if they get that kind of request So curious, both of your thoughts on that. Irina, um, since you were quoted on it, I know this is something you've already given some thought to.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, I think most people would agree that it's super inappropriate to ask for money afterwards. Because look, like the person should not have offered to pay in the first place if this was contingent on whether you want to go out with them again or not. And I guess one thing I'm curious about, like knowing from Cerise, is Cerise, what you were saying about, you know, you were paying for the experience. I I think part of what's happening in heterosexual situations is the men say, yeah, but wait a second, why am I expected to be the one to pay for that experience? Because we both had the experience of connecting with each other and of meeting with each other. And so why isn't it the case that both men and women should participate in the cost of that? Especially because look, a lot of women don't want an activity first date, right? Like Mm -hmm. some women are more quirky and like they're more interested in that. But many women really feel like, no, like if he tries to do something cheap for the first date, that's saying something. So they are going to judge the man for that. And so it is true that many men are kind of being, you know, evaluated from the get go as to whether they pay or not. Now, I personally don't think that's an excuse for the Venmo request afterwards. And what I also spoke about with the reporters that, you know, didn't end up making it into the article is that women also take a lot more physical risks going on dates and spend more money on, on clothes and makeup and other things. There are a lot of complications here socially, but anyway, let me just throw all that at you and see what you think.
2: Well, to echo that, yeah, I think there is a lot of expectations because, you know, if I'm invited out to dinner, the silent expectation is that I would be doing my hair, that I would be doing my makeup, that I would be wearing certain clothes that, and as women, that's a, expensive thing i mean makeup your average your average high-end foundation is 50 dollars, and for some brands that's even the bargain (laughs) that's that's not even as expensive as it can be and we can argue back and forth on is makeup necessary is nails necessary is this necessary but a lot of men in my experience also expect a certain degree of polish and what they feel is sophistication So if I were to show up to this date and just, you know, jeans, um, some beat up sneakers and a t-shirt, a man's going to go to his friends like, oh, man, she's not even putting in any effort. So if effort is supposed to go both ways where men want a certain look, then why are women's expectations considered less than? If you expect me to look like a 10, then maybe paying for one is part and parcel of that experience. I think about this a lot being, you know, a Black woman navigating the dating scene where most of the people who are trying to take me out to dinner have been able to participate in this society at a level that I haven't. So you have the the reality of systemic disparity as well coming into play. So, you know, a man who has experienced the economy at a level that I haven't you know, arguing with me over a stake at that point, you just want to pay yours and like head out because it's, you know, and if they're going to really be that pedantic, like knowing my personality, I would probably just Venmo them and like toodles because money grows back. And I also think that a lot of this conversation is based on your own relationship with money. If you're somebody who's holding on to every dollar as a lot of these venmo requests seem to indicate then you know you're going to want to hold that you're going to want to hold tight to every dollar and you're going to want to you know send a venmo request because you need to get your money back okay and then what but that's not going to replace your time that's not going to replace your energy and that's going to leave you actually feeling some type of way because how do you know what could have been if you don't really try like I've had a lot of first dates that didn't work well. We cooled off and we tried it again and it was fantastic. Does it always work that way? No, but is it worth trying again? Sometimes, yeah, sometimes it's, man, you know what? I was wearing those high heels and my heel broke and I was miserable and I felt like there was a rock in my shoe and I was limping as I walked and I was just in a bad mood that night. Moods happen, feelings come and go. Would I ever Venmo a guy um, to get my money back after paying for him? Probably not. Would I see a guy who um, sent me a Venmo request to get his expenses covered? No, I wouldn't. Not because he asked for money, but because what he's saying is it would be like if he bought something at a store and was like, I'm going to, I need a refund on this can you really refund a personal experience in like as a date? It's so subjective that I don't think it's fair to either party. I would advise women to send a Venmo request and plenty of women have had terrible dates where they're like, I didn't feel comfortable. I didn't feel safe. Are we sending Venmo requests? Do we get to do that? Do we get to say, you know what, you stepped on my foot as we left the restaurant and I know you didn't mean it, but like you didn't check to see if I was okay. I left your house and you didn't, you know, message me to to ask if I made it home. You know, I need, I need compensation for those things. I mean, I think opening the door for all of these compensation requests would be pretty wild.
1: I just really love the idea, the way you think about dating as you're paying for and investing in. An experience and so valuing it in that sense rather than an investment that necessarily is going to pay off with that person in the future sometimes what you take away from the experience is i learned something about myself and what i don't like you know that i can apply to future dating maybe with you or with someone else you know there's still value to as you said getting to just spend time with another human being one-on-one Um, but also what you can learn about it, whether it applies to you and them in the future or whether it just applies to you in the future. So I really love that idea. I hope our listeners consider espousing that way of thinking about a date because there's so much about dating that's frustrating and doesn't feel good. And if you really think about it as an experience that hopefully will be some level of fun or at the very least that you learn something from, I think that should help people to feel like they're getting some kind of meaningful return on investment. And it also highlights, so as far as like what you're going to do on this date and how upset you're going to be if it doesn't work out exactly the way you want it, I think it highlights what you had said about communication the importance of clear communication and about values, like what does matter to me? Is it more important that I put myself out there and tried to connect with somebody or is it more important that I hoard the money that I spend on that, that I'm not actually taking any risk because I feel like I can just get that money back if it didn't work out the way I wanted. Probably most importantly, the communication piece though, for people to communicate on the front end wherever possible. Maybe in direct conversation where they say something like, hey, I'd feel most comfortable going Dutch on this date, just splitting the costs. Or if you communicated in some other kind of way, um, like, I'd like to take you out on this date. Oh, and I guess that's one other point I have is, Cerise, you had mentioned you've paid for dates before and didn't expect anything other than the experience together. You know, as I think about that, like, who pays and what are the considerations we should take into account there? You know, equity definitely comes to mind for me. And if not equity exactly, then at least the idea of, Don't agree to do something you can't afford. So if I'm in a financial position where what I can afford is to go on a date to the park or to a free concert or something, you know, offer that up. If what I can afford is something like a nice dinner out and I have the means to afford that, And it's not a huge, it's not going to be a huge disaster to me if the worst case scenario is that person doesn't want to see me again or I don't want to see them again. You know, you're spending the money on something that you can afford. So those are some things I'm reflecting on from what all you've been saying here. But it also leads to a question I have for you, which is, do you have any thoughts or tips on how to stick to a person's own financial comfort zone while dating. So for example, not getting pressured into spending money that they're uncomfortable with spending or going on dates that are some uncomfortable cost.
2: I think that's a fantastic question there because when people start dating, I think the biggest question that they need to ask is along those mindset lines. Am I really ready to date? Because dating is going to mean spending money. Even if you go to the park, I live out in the country. I'm about an hour from my major city. So even a trip to the park, I need to drive that hour. Am I willing to put gas in the car to go there and back? If there's a museum exhibit that we want to see together, you know, can I afford those tickets? And also as women, when we touch on safety, when I step out of this house, do I have enough money to make sure that I go home or if I needed to, if I, I don't know if I fell down and I needed to go to urgent care, you know, can I cover those things? Am I covering my life sufficiently is my first question before I hit the dating market. Not just from a hard money standpoint, but also an emotional standpoint, because I've found that if you are not doing well in life, Dating reflects how you feel about you. So I think there's somebody for everybody. There's there's definitely, as they say, a pot for every lid. But are you in a position to go get that? If you're somebody who really wants super active living, but you're binge watching Netflix, what you do and what you want are not in alignment. So I think it's just getting that alignment piece and then sitting down and thinking about what kind of dates you want and what you can reasonably afford. If you sit down and say, you know what? I wanna go out every weekend and I'm willing to spend $100 to do that. And then I'll just throw in an extra hundred on top. Okay, that's $500 a month. Am I willing to pay $500 a month to be social, to make new connections, to be seen, to network? Because a lot of this is also networking too, when we really think about it, because you never know what opportunities you're going to get simply because of who you're connected to dating and otherwise. There's been times I've been on dates and I've talked about what I do for a living and somebody tapped me on the shoulder. They were like, oh, I, I didn't, didn't, I've never met a marketing consultant before. Can you tell me what you do? And you go through that, you know elevator pitch of course and or you'll get into a debate with your date for the evening and somebody will say you know I really liked how you defended those points you know I'd love to meet with you first meet up with you sometime so the opportunities are really endless if you're willing to see them but I think one of the mistakes that I think a lot of women make is that every date needs to be going to the wedding
0: so uh, for, for you personally, how has your dating or relationship life been impacted in good and bad financial periods in your life? Kind of following up on what you were just saying.
2: So for me, when I'm really trying to build money, I'm not trying to date. (laughs) When I'm really trying to just go for those goals, I'm not trying to date because I want to bring my best self to the table. I want to be active. I want to be open. If I know that I'm going through something emotionally, I don't want to bring that to a new partner. I really want to keep my energy as high as possible.
1: I'm curious about this and understanding these are just the opinions of us, you know, as we're talking, it's, it's not life advice or anything like that, but in a group or two that I've belonged to recently, issues have come up around what's called hobo sexuality the idea of somebody who is homeless and what is their business dating? I have to tell you, the comment sections get heated around this topic where somebody will realize they've gone on a date with somebody who doesn't have a home. And understandably, you know, I think has some feelings of, I mean, this is unusual. So they might go to an online community to ask, like, what are some things I should take into consideration in this circumstances? Is this somebody who's acceptable for me to date? And man, the comments are just, on the one hand, you know, people who say everyone's entitled to want love and to want connection, whatever your home or homelessness status is, shouldn't have anything to do with whether you're deserving of love and connection. But on the other side, are people saying, yeah, but, and I think this is kind of just the point you were just saying, Cerise, is, but if I'm not right in a key area of my life, like if I don't have a home, I mean, food, clothing, shelter, you know, our basic needs. And so if I don't have this basic need covered, how available am I to be emotionally available to other people, um, reliable, you know, in in a dating sense? And as we've all discussed, you know, dating does take not only money, but time and energy. And how do we feel about the idea of somebody who finds themselves homeless devoting that energy to dating or relationships rather than to improving their financial situation such that they can find a place to live. It is a very controversial topic and I don't think there's one right way to handle it, but it's interesting hearing people's different perspectives on it. Um, so that should you find yourself in a situation where you yourself are somebody who is in between homes or, you know, a related parallel. What you were saying, Cerise, there's just some, been some times where this isn't the focus in your life, where you needed to focus on career or sometimes it's when people need to focus on mental health and well-being. The idea of if I'm not great in one area, how or when or should dating fit into the picture. And so I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on that.
0: And I'm gonna throw something else in to just, the homosexual term when I've seen it mentioned was specifically also mentioned in the context of the concern that the person is trying to date you to move into your home, either temporarily or permanently. So just wanna add that to the mix of uh, all the things Michelle said. A valid risk
1: to keep in mind is how do I know that this person likes me versus is just looking for a place to sleep.
2: I think that the homosexual conversation, I've seen it. It is very heated. And I think that there's a lot of opinions on there. My opinion, and I've been homeless before a couple of times um, in my life, and people definitely look at you differently when you don't have a place to live, because that is something that is considered a basic and so i think that solving that problem um within your life has to take priority in a perfect world would people be able to find love anywhere you find it sure but this world's not perfect and we have to realistically think both for the person who's unhoused and the person that they're trying to date so if i don't have a place to live that is the first thing in my mind that is the number one thing in my mind how am I really dating somebody else if I'm struggling to live somewhere and it also puts pressure on the person that you're trying to date because it's like if I don't let them into my house am I perpetuating the problem I see a human in need and I'm not helping them am I a bad person I don't think so because I think if you invite someone in your home Who doesn't necessarily have a plan to get their own place you're creating other problems and also the other person isn't really safe either because they have a timer above their head proverbially speaking that's ticking so even if they do move in they're like oh man i have all this pressure to leave where am i going to go next and then the person that they're staying with is like man if i kick them out i really haven't solved the problem So it's not something that I would recommend for either party. And I was very, very fortunate to have a path to having a home again, but it did not stem from dating somebody. And I just don't, I just can't recommend that because there's just, when you create that level of expectation in a relationship, I don't think that relationship is fair for either party.
1: I think that makes a ton of sense. The idea of, you know, our first impulse is to think, are we being unfair to people who are already in a tough spot by by saying, well, I don't consider you to be dateable. But you know, you are saying I don't consider the circumstances ideal for dating right now. Um not a statement on you as a person, but rather on the circumstances. But then, yes, yeah, secondarily, something that doesn't as easily come to mind, but is at least easily an equally important point, is it's not safe for the unhoused person either, because like you said, there's that ticking clock, but there's also this sense of, I need to make this person happy at all times so that they don't turn on me. And and then you run the risk of not being able to be your authentic self. And so if there are feelings that are developing, how do we know that those feelings are developing for who each person genuinely is, rather than what somebody feels like they need to say to maintain, Situation, So, you know, I'm so glad we did touch upon this issue, even though it's something where there's a lot of complexity to it, a lot of considerations. And and certainly we think that anyone is deserving of love and and to be able to enjoy the company of other people. But I think what talking about it is helping us to get at is, but priorities do need to be important. You have to prioritize your basic needs and your basic wellness because to date successfully, you know, you need to be in a good spot yourself as a person, not just with respect to your finances, but also with respect to, you know, your mental well-being. Sure, we're all a work in progress, but you need to be able to show up feeling okay so that you are not dependent on the date. For something that's going to make or break your night, your week, your sense of self or your life. And so I think that's all really important. So Sarice, I also have a story and a related question for you. This is something that's been on my mind because it was a little while ago. I had a conversation with a man where he was a bit put off by a woman's dating profile saying something like, don't waste my time. And in talking to me about it, he also mentioned that she was a mother. So I put a couple pieces together. And I don't know this particular woman, so I did make some assumptions here. I wasn't saying it's necessarily true for her, but I'm saying, hey, here are some things you might want to consider when you see something like, don't waste my time on a profile, especially the profile of a mother. But what I had suggested was that for single parents with full or frequent custody, it actually costs quite a bit of money to go out on a date. I mean, it costs money. For a lot of us but when you are a parent on top of just an individual who would like to go out on dates you also might have to pay for childcare, and it's also not like you have a ton of free time especially if you're the primary parent in terms of custody and so i pointed out maybe she's just being honest about how important her time is to her maybe perhaps because people had been flaky with her in the past and it ended up being wasted time and money when she might not have had much of either to spare. So to the credit of the man I was talking to about this, he was totally rocked by this idea and he was very sympathetic to it. It just never occurred to him that there might be some non-hostile reason why somebody might essentially say, don't waste my time. But you know, it did make me realize that that isn't obvious to everyone. And Even some people who find themselves in the woman's position in this case, the person who wants to protect their time and money, but also may not know how to safeguard against that and also may not want to come across in an off-putting way. I mean, it is a little bold to put something out there that says, don't waste my time in so many words. So, Cerise, what are your thoughts on the idea that time is money as it relates to dating?
2: I think time is definitely money, especially as I think of not just the dating experiences that I've had, but as a moderator listening to the dating experiences of women within women's personal finance, I have found that, you know, it isn't even the monetary cost. It's the, man, I could have used that time to do something else. We can't get back time. Money grows back. And everybody's money grows at a different rate, everybody's got a different money tree, but we all have the same time tree, you know, the same 24 hours. And sometimes it's even less than that, especially if you have other responsibilities. I'm a caregiver. I take care of my two older brothers. And so if a man wants my time, it's like, I've got to make sure that I have my contingencies in place, that I have all my logistics in place. And so if some guy is like trying to date, but actually he's not really dating, he's just looking for a hookup. It's like, I've driven an hour, I've spent money to come see you, you know, but your intentions were not direct. And I think that's really where that communication piece comes in. I don't think it necessarily has to be don't waste my time on profiles because honestly, they're not going to read them. The people who are going to waste your time the most are going to be like, up, swipe right. Your picture is really what I liked. And if I can get in with you, I can get in with you. I think it really comes to being open to hearing the full message a person is saying, including the things that they don't say. If they're not responsive, if they're not enthusiastic, if you feel like they could choose between you and someone else, like, oh, do I want the apple juice or the orange juice? Eh. Okay. You're not a breakfast item. You're a person.
1: Thank you. I have one more question that I wanted to ask you about kind of a tough topic, which is, you know, not everyone who's dating is a serial dater. Some people who are dating are coming back into the dating world after a failed marriage of any number of years. I mean, there are some people who are coming back into the dating world in their forties or fifties after having been married for decades. And Something that I find really concerning that I've seen some in the women's personal finance group as well as in other online communities that I belong to is how little some women know about finances just because they've never been taught. You know, thanks society for not teaching that in high school or telling us that women need to know these things, Um, but also women who have left that up to their partners to manage and only realize at a later stage that I'm in financial trouble, whether if it's because their partner admits to some financial impropriety mismanaging of their funds and is like, you know how you thought I've been going to work for the last three months or like all those savings we build up together. I've like, I've been, irresponsibly spending that money or lying to you about how much I'm bringing in or where our money is and now it's gone. And it has just been really surprising to me the number of women who know so little about their own financial situation and just financial literacy in general. So I'm curious for you if you could offer up some words on why it's important for women to prioritize their financial health and literacy. I mean, just like kind of in general. But also, I guess, as it relates to dating, because we recognize that dating and other forms of personal entertainment present competing interests, that there's things we might want to spend our money on. And there's also things like, well, we don't want my boyfriend to or husband you know, to think that I'm questioning him or he's just always managed the money. I don't know how to get into that conversation. I'd be curious if you have any thoughts on how to start developing that financial literacy and why it is important for women to prioritize their financial health.
2: I think where it starts is like everything else. It's going to be in your mind, how you see yourself, how you value yourself. I value myself enough to believe that everything should be monitored. No company in the world would just wait three months before they check on something. I mean, if we want something to run well, if we want something to run well, we have to be purposeful, which means knowing what, where everything is in your life, as well as the life that you share with someone else. So if you're going to combine finances, for example, you would want to be able to get in there anytime you want to monitor so that you're seeing a pattern. If you feel like the person is spending more money than they should, that's a conversation you can have. Hey, you know, I know that you and I discussed a certain goal that we want to get together. That's where you step in and say, okay, I know that we talked about this goal I'm showing per this bank statement that instead of working towards that goal, these are the purchases that I see. Could we talk about that? A lot of the conversations I've had with women, not just in WPF, but you know, over the last, I would say 10 years, begins with, I wish I would have known. I wish I would have known the spending pattern was going to be like this. I wish I would have known that they were a spender i wish i would have known that they weren't going to make good choices how do i protect myself you protect yourself with monitoring and you protect yourself with mindset i think that a lot of people can get soft in a relationship and think well i was vigilant on my own but now that i have this other person i don't have to do those things you do have to do those things and they're neutral things monitoring is not a negative thing it's a positive thing we're both looking at this train together we're both steering the ship together. We're co-captains. And so when you look at it as teamwork, when you look at it as being vigilant for your health and for the other person's health and for the health of the relationship, I think it gets easier to make certain decisions, especially around money.
1: And I'll just add from that, seeing what I've seen in the group, and I think you touched on this earlier as well, Cerise, but it is never too late. We have had women in the group who, you know, my husband unexpectedly died, and now I'm a widow in my 60s or 70s. And I have to learn some things about money that I don't know about. And we've had young women in their teens and 20s who say, I don't know anything. What can I learn? And no matter what stage you're at, it's never too late to start learning. And today is better than tomorrow.
0: If I could ask one uh, final question, Cerise, how has being a member of and a moderator for an online finance community, community for women and non-binary people been of help to you personally?
2: great question. For me, having a circle of women to go to for support is very helpful. I'm in Missouri and I'm out in the countryside, so I don't have the same finance and business circles as maybe somebody in a much larger city does. And what I found is that when you're in a circle where nobody is judging you, nobody is shaming you, you really are able to climb up that ladder with much more assurance because you're building confidence and that's something that i can definitely credit within this journey is you build more confidence the more reassurance that you have and the more self-assurance that you build within you're like okay i asked this the world didn't stop i can ask something else i can share a mistake that i made and the mistake is not the end of the world. Shake it off, I move on. And learning those tools just gives you a better toolbox because the tools that I don't have are my responsibility to get. You know, once you're an adult, it's up to you to go get it. If you don't have a tool, you need to go get it. And I think communities like WPF allow me to be able to name these tools. Like, you know, it's like, it's not just a wrench. It's this wrench that we use for sinks and toilets. Oh, okay. Now we understand the purpose behind this tool. And it's not just a chunk of metal. We can use these things to springboard into something new Mm. and being around women with the same mindset, with similar mindsets to just go out there and get it. Iron sharpens iron. And I'm very grateful for the community, both as a member and then also being asked to be a moderator. I'm very thankful for those things.
0: Thank you so much for joining us, Therese, and sharing your wisdom with us. Uh, And for our listeners who wanna learn more about the Women Personal Finance Group, we have included a link to their information in the show notes. If you enjoy this podcast, please rate it five stars so that others have a chance to listen to it as well. And make sure to subscribe so that you can get our future episodes as well. All our platforms are accessible at StrangersOnInternet.com. Again, that's StrangersOnInternet.com. There's no the in there. You can become a part of our community by joining the Strangers on the Internet Facebook group or following us at Swipe Strangers on Twitter, Instagram, Threads, or Mastodon, where we are on the Fostodon server with two S's. I would like to thank my husband, Carlos, Frini, for sound editing, as well as Blatko Yuzuklu for permission to use his music for this podcast. Bye, everyone. Bye.